Yeah, baby. Fly ball to deep right field. This game is tied in a long way. Into the second deck, Bryce Harper. He's just lifted the lid off the yard. It's a 6-6 game. Hi, this is Emily Nyman, and you're listening to Breaking Balls. Welcome to episode 107 of Breaking Balls. I'm your host, Emily Nyman. I'm joined by my co-host, John Snyder. You can find us on Twitter, at BreakBallsPod. Or if you're feeling brassy, give the Breaking Balls hotline a call. 631-820-7377. The hits just keep on coming. And by hits, I mean hit batsmen. Because we just witnessed Pete Alonso definitely get his finger broken by you, Darvish, and he was, what, the third or second hit batsman of the game, and we're only in the second inning? I don't want to record anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really fucking don't blame you. Watching oh, man. The best and I like, I like you, Darvish, too, man. He's one of my favorite pitchers. I hate this. Yeah, so he hit three batters in an inning plus. He started off the game hitting Nimmo on the foot, and then he hits Alonzo in the hand right on the fingers, definitely broke at least a finger, if not more. He left the game, so we're waiting on x-rays now. And uh, then he hit McNeil in the foot all before he got a f- an out in the second inning. Um, yeah, the, the hits just keep on coming, don't they? It's it's June, though, right? So this is to be expected for the Mets. We're in the realm of weird and annoying injuries that we have to plow through. So, yeah, I'm not thrilled. Um, why is it that when we start recording, like, you get shit like live, you get to react to a judge home run. And live, <laughs> I get to react a to Pete off. Alonso potentially missing time. Great. That's just the way of things this year. I mean, and much to that end, I have to take this one on the chin. My predictions last week, they were a little off in that I said yeah, the really Yankees should go four and one, and they ended up going five and oh. Since yeah, we and they did not. <laughs> and not only did they go five and oh, but their pitching staff was to say they were elite is the fucking understatement. Tyone and Cole specifically, they both took perfect games almost to the almost through seven tyone was completely through seven then he gave up a hit uh the first batter of the eighth inning cole went 6.2 before he gave up a hit and i really love that for cole and yeah i know he fucking makes 36 million dollars a year so like how many more <laughs> like how much more does this guy need but his last start against the tigers if everyone remembers correctly and i'm sure you don't want to was his worst start of his career. He only went like 1.2 innings. It was an embarrassment, and I honestly am not sure what happened to him that day, but he certainly got his shit together and absolutely fucking mowed down the Tigers this time, as he fucking should. That team sucks. And it shows what, in some ways, a mercurial game baseball is, because he had that crappy start, and then he almost throws a perfecto, and then he gives up five to the Twins. So it's it's back and forth. There was this right day. Everything was working. Although I will say, being my cynical self, it was funny. I saw Tyone was having that perfect game, and I'm like, this dude's not going to throw a perfect game. Then the next day, Cole <laughs> does it. I'm like, shit, might. Cole might throw a perfect game. Can you imagine, though, if Tyone actually did throw a perfect game? That would have been fucking crazy. Cole, I feel like it would have been way more... Like, oh, yeah, of course, Garrett Cole as a Yankee threw a perfect game. Why wouldn't he? Uh, yeah, then that's the thing. Like, the, the Tyone one would feel more like one of those pure baseball things. Up, oh, just it was his day. Everything lined up that day. He's never going to do it again. Versus Cole, it's like, this could be one of several. You never <laughs> know. You know, like, he's that level. 
But, you know, we're, we're nickel and diming at this point because the entire staff, the last time through, had just been killer. Just, I mean, th th you know, maybe not necessarily perfect game status like them, but Severino and Cortez, seven innings each, no runs. Like, what else could you want from your staff? Yeah, exactly. I mean, over the last 42.1 innings. Now, this is over the stretch of 6-0 and because the day before we recorded, they beat the Angels, and then the day we recorded last week, they were rained out. So we we went like with our predictions from five and zero, but this stat is from six and zero. So including that game, the starters went forty two point one innings pitched and gave up four runs, and three of them were in Monty's two starts. Matt Blake is just a fucking mastermind. Like this guy comes from Cleveland. I obviously don't know who he is because I'm not following like pitching staffs and pitching coaches. You call and yourself stuff. a baseball fan? Don't know I who know. Matt Blake is. Okay. <laughs> Everyone had good things to say about him. I mean, the Indian staff was unreal. And now, look at this staff. This is how you win championships, is with pitching like this. And not only pitching, but the offense is unreal. If you guys remember from last week, we were talking about Aaron Judge winning players. I was just going to say, you blew your prediction. I did not. Granted, it was tongue-in-cheek at the time, but I am now taking credit for it predicting that Aaron Judge was going to be player of the month. Actually, I'm taking credit for inventing the entire concept of player of the yeah. month on that last episode. Someone at MLB clearly was listening because they gave Judge player of the month and Clay Holmes, who is just a freak out of the bullpen, he won reliever of the month. Things are really clicking for the Yankees right now. And what wasn't clicking was Shohei Otani at Yankee Stadium. He started a game last week. He was uh, starting against Cortez. And man, he just cannot pitch at Yankee Stadium. So far in his career versus the Yankees, he has 3.2 innings pitched. He has a 27 ERA. He's given up 11 runs, three home runs, and five walks. And this is only in 26 batters faced. He gets absolutely lit up. And there were a lot of people online, I think Ben Verlander was one of them, who was saying, oh, you know, Otani must be tipping his pitches. And it's like... Okay, so Otani only tips his pitches in the 3.2 innings pitch that he's had at Yankee Stadium over the last two seasons. He doesn't do it anywhere else, just here. Like, can we at least give a little bit of credit to the Yankee hitters? And maybe Otani wasn't fucking hitting his spots that day because that's what was happening. He was just leaving up meatballs. I just kind of find it funny how, like, so, you know, Otani gets lit up. What was it? A total of, like, three innings he's thrown there or something Literally, like that. Literally, yeah. Yeah, ridiculous. But I just find it funny because, like, Otani's one of those players where, you know, like him and Trout, for example, like if I was a Yankees fan and they're playing the Yankees, you might want to go to that series just to try and see those players. You know, like they're that good. And it's like it's like the monkey paw curling. It's like, oh, I'm going to go see Otani pitch against the Yankees. Well, technically he pitched against the Yankees, but you didn't really get to see much Otani. So it's kind of like, well, we beat the shit out of him. But I didn't really get to see Otani pitch, so monkey paw curls. And it takes so fucking long to get into Yankee Stadium that there is an absolute chance that people didn't see Otani pitch at oh all <laughs> because he was fucking hit out of the game so early. That's really funny and accurate. To the Yankees' credit, apparently they're very good at... Re I mean, this isn't a shock. Their offense is I was going to say, was that the whole sentence? Yes. They are very good at reading pitchers because not only did they light up Otani, but then when the Tigers came into town... They had a rookie on the mound, Elvin Rodriguez, and he was tipping his pitches like crazy, apparently. Thank you, John Boy, for that breakdown. If you guys haven't watched it, it's fucking awesome. And the Yankees picked up on it because that's what good hitters do. They hit mistakes. Any pitcher that 
is on his shit. That's the guys that throw perfect games or no hitters is when they are just so locked in. But when they're not, that's when offenses that are good make things happen. They hit mistakes. They don't let pitches go by. So you cannot make mistakes against this team. It's fucking scary. If I were an opposing pitcher, I would either shit myself and then quit or just quit before the game so I don't embarrass myself by shitting myself on the mound. I get a kick out of, too, how while Stanton was out, Judge continued to just, you know, carry the team, play out of his mind, and then Stanton comes back, Judge hits a home run, and Stanton's like, wait, 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 hang on, stop showing me up, and what was that, like 440-some-odd feet, he blasts it, insane. Today's game, John is referring to, in the first inning versus the Twins, Aaron Judge hit a fucking 430-foot home run to dead center field. And then was immediately outdone by Stanton, yep. a batter later, who hit the ball to the second deck in 445 feet. I mean, I, I'm I'm really excited about how Stanton is swinging the bat because he was on the IL for a few days and he just came off this weekend. And sometimes guys can take a little bit of time to, you know, get caught up again. But I think what helps is the fact that his injury wasn't too severe. I think that he was really able to stay in baseball activities and swing the bat while he was on the IL and just had to stay on for 10 days because that's the rule. It was actually really funny. So on Saturday morning, now before the weekend, they were like, oh, Stanton will probably come back this series or he could come back for the next series. They were being vague about it. So Saturday morning, DJ Bingington wakes up and he goes out and he picks us up breakfast. (laughs) I'm still asleep. Now, he by us, home. she's referring to her. I did not get any breakfast in this deal, just to clarify. <laughs> and I would have liked breakfast, but but I digest. So DJ Bingerton, he comes home with breakfast. I'm asleep. He comes in the bed. He wakes me up, literally wakes me up, says, I brought breakfast. And I'm like, oh, yay. And then he says, and guess what? Giancarlo Stanton has been activated and he's in the lineup. And I just had like this huge grin and like sleep crusted in my eyes. We acted out without knowing it, the meme that's like, wake up, babe, Giancarlo Stanton is back in the lineup. That meme that goes around the internet. (laughs) And I didn't think about it until last night during our production meeting. And I just blurted out the story to John. I was like, I fucking blew it. I could have posted that meme and I fucking blew it. That is funny, but I do want that breakfast sandwich. (laughs) Right now, the Yankees are beating the Twins 5-4. I think we're probably in the late innings of that game now. They have two more versus Twins, and they go to the Cubs and have three at Wrigley. And I still think that the Yankees, they should go 5-1 and one, at least during the stretch. I mean, the Cubs are not good at all, so they should go to Wrigley and absolutely demolish them. And I think that dropping a series to the Twins is totally unacceptable. One thing that's been pretty funny about this Twins series is obviously former Yankees Gary Sanchez and Gio Urshela were traded to the Twins, and that's what brought... Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, and Josh Donaldson to New York. I loved Gio, and I loved Gary, and and I get loving those players. They were great, whatever. Not always great, but they were part of the team. The -the (laughs) over-the-top love. But they were there, so, you know. Yeah, what a a glowing fucking (laughs) statement. He certainly was a Yankee. (laughs) But the -the over-the-top reaction to Gio Urshela, people literally being like, I hope Gio hits a home run this series. I don't care. Like, there's never been a clearer sign that the Yankees haven't won dick in 12 years than people losing it for players like Gio Urshela, who literally played here in 2019, 
the 60 game season and then 110 games last year because he was injured and then he was fucking shipped off to minnesota that's such a bizarre like masochistic take like root for him to hit home run the other 156 games of the year where they're not playing against your team bro come on so bizarre especially because of how good the well because of all of it. I mean, you really want the pitchers to then right. deal with it? Like, okay, yeah, who, who do you want to give up that home run? My, fav- my favorite, though, is the cognitive dissonance between, like, you know, everyone's like, oh, Geo, Geo. And on that same field is apparently notorious piece of shit Gary Sanchez, who is just <laughs> chopped liver to Yankees fans now. I saw an account today that was like, you know, does anyone think that Gary will get hit by a pitch? You know, not saying he deserves it, but, like, do you think? And everyone was replying, like, why would... These guys are friends. Like, Gary wasn't ousted from New York because he was some pariah on the team and everyone hates him. And he didn't motherfuck the Yankees when he left. (laughs) It's so funny how some fans can't separate in their heads, like, you know, whatever loyalty they have for the team. Like, this is a job for these guys. (laughs) They think they're all like, oh, you traitor. You got traded. Like, it wasn't his fault. Like, yeah, like, I bet you, like, someone on the Yankees is probably, like, the fucking godfather of his kid. But, yeah, the pitcher is going to nail Gary right in the elbow for no reason whatsoever. Like, moron Yankee fans that hated him aren't pitching for the Twins. So why the fuck would they throw at him? Which is also, it's weird with how well you guys are doing to be nostalgic for those two when you guys are literally third best in the league in DRS right now. Like, what do you miss about them? They are not giving you those numbers. To be fair, Gio was very good defensively for the Yankees. But listen, he wasn't fucking Alex Rodriguez at third. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like we had this fucking superstar and now it's like, oh, my God, now he's on another team. He didn't even come up through the Yankees. So it's not even on some like, oh, he was a baby bomber shit. Like, no, he was not. (laughs) Gary was. And everyone's like, fuck this fucking guy. (laughs) Oh, I, I I still don't want to talk about the Mets after what happened. What are you kidding well, me? Well, we have to, John. We have people depending on this. And maybe Pete's listening. Who knows? Peter, 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 Peter. Oh, Peter, Peter, Peter. Yeah, so, uh, well, this is all has like a Paul cast over it because now like Pete's hurt. The Mets are losing 4 nothing with two men on and Machado's up. And I, I don't like any of this. All right, let's think back to happier days a few days ago. <laughs> When the Mets split the Dodgers, and and if there's any team that I will take a split with, my goodness, is it ever the Dodgers. Especially um, at Dodger Stadium. At Dodger Stadium, where the Mets are historically awful. Uh, so that was, that was fantastic. I'll take that split all day. And it was funny how it happened, too, because the first two games we threw out, well, you know, obviously with DeGrom and Scherzer and everybody hurt, what passes for our top pitching right now. Walker and Bassett, you're thinking like, all right, maybe I'll at least win one of those two. We lost both of them, and then go figure, we win the Peterson and Williams starts. That's baseball. Baseball. That's baseball. So, yes, it it was just a fantastic series. I mean, the Mets won that last game in dramatic fashion, that 5-4, extra innings. I mean, that game especially, we could talk about that for a second before we get into some of the other insanity that happened over (laughs) that series. Um, Adonis Medina. This kid in the 10th inning faces the top of the Dodgers lineup, trying to hold on to a one-run lead with the runner on second, you know, the auto runner on second, and he gets through it. The best part, I mean, you got a little bit of help from the baseball gods, but that catcher's interference to Trey Turner, which if you're Trey Turner, don't you want to hit, right? Like you're the debatably the best hitter on the Dodgers. And it, it wasn't like, you know, someone else tried to call catcher's interference. Trey Turner made the stink. But like, oh, it touched his glove. It's like, dude, Shut up and bat. What are you doing? Well, no, you always take the base. No way. You always take the base. In the, in that situation with uh, yes. uh, 
I don't know about that. For sure. Because the odds say that he's not going to get a hit. You know what I mean? Like, chances are he's going to make an out. Yeah, but he had a man on third. He wouldn't even necessarily to get a hit, even just to get that run in. Trey Turner is one of their best shots for that. So, I don't know. It's a little questionable to me. But To be fair, he is the best base runner, arguably, in, in the league. And having him on base with a rookie on the mound with second base open and someone on third... If I'm Trey, I definitely want to take the base because I want to make the pitcher think about me and not think about anything else and distract him. Oh, and he definitely did. And it definitely didn't matter because the Mets won anyway. But yeah, no, and it was it was it was impressive because Buck went with an interesting strategy in the eighth. It was actually the same thing that Adonis Medina had to face in the 10th. You know, that top of the lineup with Betts and Freeman and Turner. So he used Diaz a little bit unusually in the eighth. And it worked because, you know, you want to get rid of the top of the lineup. Then Lugo comes in and Lugo blows it and they go all the way back around. and More like Lugie. More like Lugie. Yeah, I mean, he's (laughs) – I think we may have uh, seen Lugo's peak past tense now. Dude's getting a little washed. It's just not – he never quite reached the heights that we thought he was going to. And so, like, I I wasn't realizing it was the peak as it was happening. You know, oh. one of those like sappy, like I didn't I didn't know what I had. Right. <laughs> no, no. What, what's that quote from The Office? Uh, I wish there was a way to know you're in the good old days before you've actually left them. I wish there was a way to know that you're in the good old days before they're gone or something oh, yeah. like that. <laughs> it was like that. So yeah. So again, we'll take that split all day. But some interesting stuff happened in the middle of there. So Dave Roberts, Dave fucking Roberts, man does not know the rules like my manager knows the rules. I mean, that's not a fair comparison because nobody knows the rules like Buck Showalter. Not even the umps. Not even they the didn't umps. know the rules either. Well, and then, you know what? I, that took me a second that I'm like, yeah, but it's C.B. Buckner's crew. So am I that surprised? No, I'm not that surprised. But yeah, so the Dodgers are down by five, right? And so Roberts wants to bring in McKinstry to pitch as a position player. Now, apparently the rule, and I think that they said it's new this year, you have to be down by six in order to do that. Now, Buck Showalter knows this, but Dave Roberts did not know this. And apparently the way they said it was that the umps also challenged it, but then Dave Roberts was like, well, call New York, yada, yada, yada. So long story short, the game gets delayed for like 15 minutes. It was crazy. Just standing around and it's like, Roberts didn't know the rules. The umpires, you know, they tried to defend themselves like, oh, we told them it was six runs. Well, then tell them it's six runs. Like, don't say like, oh, yeah, we'll call New York and double check. Do you know the rule or do you not know the rule? And it was right. great. In the, in the post-game presser, they wound up asking Buck. He was like, well, did you know the rule? And Buck gives him that look. He's like, did I know the rule? Like, yes, obviously he knew the rule. He's just watching all this bullshit play out. And also none of Robert's fucking coaching staff did either. Like, no. someone needs to know the rule. Or at the very least, someone needs to have access to the rules to be able to look it up. And the fact that the umpires don't know how to enforce rules is fucking totally inexcusable because that's their job. That's the only reason they're there is literally to enforce the rules. Right. What are we paying you for, literally? <laughs> Useless. <laughs> what are we paying you for? <laughs> <laughs> My tax dollars go to these umpires. No. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, and, and the weirdness did not end there because, again, it's June and weird shit happens to the Mets in June. So within a couple days of each other, Francisco Lindor misses the first game of that series because apparently he slammed his finger in his hotel room door, Oof. which how and uh, okay whatever so he wound up missing the game for that then we find out that max scherzer's dog bites him on his throwing hand and you know he's reassuring us it's not going to affect anything but like june man and then now pete's hand and it's just 
the baseball gods are trying me right now, Emily. And I say that, you know, with the best record in the NL right now. But still, it, 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 it feels like we haven't fully escaped that June swoon with the Mets. But it's not being reflected in the record yet. So I'm just going to roll with it. I'm just going to roll with the frustration. I'm going to deal with it. We're going to get through this. And it just goes to show how this sport is so fucking frustrating. Because, oh like... You can't play with a broken finger. You no. know what I mean? You can't play with like a wound on your hand because you use your hands in such like a precise manner. It's not like football where they literally would just like wrap up someone's broken fucking arm and they'll be able to still play because they just need to be able to wrap it around someone else. Not and only they will they use play, their fingers. they will literally in football, they will literally use that cast as a battering ram. They will literally <laughs> like I'm, I'm dead serious. They will wrap it as thick as they can with that plaster and they will just smack guys around with it on. Football players are certifiably insane. Uh, um, my other favorite thing, we're not done with the Dodgers series, folks. It was a lot of weird stuff. So apparently, the Dodgers, one of the richest teams in baseball, beautiful stadium, one of the oldest stadiums. I think it's third oldest now, maybe? Yeah, I think or, so. Right after Wrigley and Fenway. But apparently, they just cannot be bothered to pay to upkeep the visitor's side of Dodger hmm. Stadium because the Mets Curious. identified a certain... Rat piss smell emanating from the visitors. Sure, I, I like how you led into that, like as if you were going to use some sort of like technical term, and it's just a certain rat piss smell. Well, that is the technical <laughs> term. I mean, and leave it to a team from New York to know what rat piss smells like, right? Seriously, I mean, well, we well, know. My running theory is that McNeil knew, you know, with all his rodent-like features, and they're like, he was the first one to say, hey, "Guys, smells like rat piss in here." Jeff, how do you know it's a rat? And Jeff just looks side to side. Scurries scutters away. away yeah <laughs> some of the funniest shit that i saw about the um the rat piss and it, sports fans are too fucking tribal and i'm saying this as someone who is very tribal i mean i was just talking about motherfucking geo and carrie because they're not on the yankees anymore but in the comment section of some of the tweets i saw from reporters about the rat piss video room dodger fans were like oh oh like as if shay didn't smell like piss and it's like first of all why are you getting defensive over this? It's the stadium. Who gives a shit? Second of all, I don't think these guys, some of these guys weren't even fucking born when like the Mets were playing at Shea Stadium. Like that, it closed 13 years ago. I was just going to say it's 2022 and you're using a decades old stadium as a point of comparison. Like get a real argument. Come on. But despite all the weirdness of June and some of these injuries, hopefully not too many injuries. Oh, come on, Pete. But, you know, with some injuries, the <laughs> Mets offense is still, these numbers don't feel real. They're first in the league in weighted runs created plus, on base percentage, total runs, total hits, batting average and balls in play, FWAR. They're tied for second in OPS and they're second in WOBA. The Mets? What? I know. It, it, it blows my mind. It, it's weird because like it simultaneously doesn't feel real, but it totally does because I've watched it happen and it does feel right. like we are playing that well. But it's just, to see the Mets on top of anything like that is just it, it's, it's weird and I got to get used to it and I hope that I have time to get used to it and it sticks around. And I'm very happy that the Yankees are playing as well as they are because I would be so fucking jealous right now if we were doing the show and the Mets were playing as well as they are and the Yankees were like the 2021 Yankees. I would be over here just seething every week. Oh, totally. Yeah, it's not. We keep saying it's good for baseball, but it's it's really good for the podcast. The both oh, it's New fantastic. York teams are good. That's really what we give a shit about. And finally, just to bring it full circle, a little microcosmic example of how good this offense has been is that, again, we said they're doing it without a lot of power, without a lot of long ball, right? And they're doing it with everybody contributing. It's not just one guy carrying. 
And the guy of the hour this past week was Eduardo Escobar. Much like Lindor, much like some other players, you know, players that struggled for a little bit earlier in the season. And Escobar especially was getting a lot of hate on social media of, you know, he's washed, get rid of him, you know, yada, yada, yada. The dude hit the first cycle for the Mets in 10 years. Last one was Scott Harrison back in 2012. And over the last seven games, suddenly Escobar is 10 for 29 with three home runs and a 1092 OPS. This team is just good, man. Good teams are good, and the Mets are good. And that makes them a good team. That's my analysis. But you know who's not good? Not the Mets. The Philadelphia Phillies. Ah, they are yes. So, the Phillies are not good. They are so not good that Joe Girardi was just fired much to his relief, I'm sure. I mean, this has just been a nightmare season. So was last year. Never got the vibe and, he really wanted to be there the last couple of years. No, I mean, it's just the team has a lot of holes in it. You know, I'm not saying that's necessarily not his fault. He definitely mismanaged a bunch of games and mismanaged the bullpen, but I can't help but just laugh because so many fucking Yankee fans have been like, they should fire Boone and hire Girardi. And obviously no one is saying that now because how can you complain about anything going on in the Yankees coaching staff at this point in time? But are there any Yankees fans left that seriously believe that 2009 should be credited to Girardi in any major way? Dude just happened to manage a great team and didn't fuck it up. That's how I view Girardi. I mean, not to get into this too much, but that same reasoning is why I think that the Yankees should unretire number six. Joe Torre was a manager during the fucking dynasty. It was awesome. But he had like a revolving door of a few Hall of Famers through there and then had like three or four Hall of Famers or Hall of Fame caliber players on the roster at all fucking times. So like, yes, he was the manager for that. But like, it's not like he fucking took some ragtag bunch of losers and then turned them into a perennial fucking World Series team. But I digress. I feel like with Tory, he was still a good manager in addition to being one of the luckiest managers of all time. Whereas Girardi's not a particularly good manager and he is just that one year, truly one of the luckiest managers of all time. It's like he walked ass backwards into that championship. What people really give him credit for though is not even so much 2009, it's the 2017 Yankees where that was like where Judge's rookie year and Sanchez's rookie year and they weren't really supposed to do anything. That was like the baby bomber year. Right. And it was Todd Frazier was on the fucking team. So when they went to the ALCS to game seven versus the Astros and came, you know, an inning away from going to the fucking World Series, people really oversold that as far as Girardi's role in getting the team there. And I'm not trying to say that he had nothing to do with it, but like Obviously, he didn't have too much to do with it because look what he did with a fucking pretty stacked roster or lineup for the Phillies. He couldn't do shit with this team. And I got to say, it was pretty thoughtful. Just on the off chance that Girardi was, you know, kind of feeling the cold shoulder, he has some company now because the Angels just gave Joe Madden the boot after a 12-game losing streak. Something that the Angels' 12-game losing streak and their hot start really uh, highlighted for me is... Teams like the Angels, they go through waves like this, right, throughout a 162-game season where they'll have a stretch where they win a bunch of games and they look kind of good, but then they will fucking shit the bed and not look good. The teams that start out hot, like the Angels just did, and last year it was the Royals, they always get like an extra vote of confidence from the baseball world. Whereas when these teams get hot in 
July, no one is like, huh, are they for real? They're looking good. It's just like, oh, the angels are good again, or oh, right. royals that are body hot of this work week. to compare it to, yeah. Right. Fluke. But then in the beginning of the season, it's like this team that wasn't supposed to be good is having a hot start. Are they for real? And everyone's like, maybe, even though we all know better. <laughs> well, and I'll tell you what, it, the law of averages is making me nervous right now because the Angels have been so bad for so many games in a row. <laughs> and we got the Padres tonight, Padres tomorrow, and then we play the Angels on Friday. So I'm really nervous that that law of averages is just going to swing the other way and we're going to get swept or something stupid like that. Well, I know that the Angels are going to be in full send mode because Phil Nevin was named their interim coach. <laughs> and he is the former third base coach of the Yankees, as recent as last season. And I, I love Nevin, but he was a guy that he fuck. I can't believe his fucking arm didn't fall off because he was sending so many guys in so many situations <laughs> that it was like, how are you sending? Just windmills it and just goes flying into the stands yeah. like a lost bat. <laughs> like that ball was just hit to shallow left field, and you are waving Stanton home from second base. Okay. <laughs> that kind of shit. So I think the Mets are still in a good position here. I certainly hope so. Uh, you know who's not in a good position? You down to dunk on the Rays for a little bit? You're always down to dunk on always. the Rays. Let's dunk on the always. Rays for a bit. So the Rays managed to make complete fools of themselves as an organization. Uh, they had like a lot of teams are like, I know the Dodgers just did it for the series that we just did. It's Pride Month. It's June. And so a lot of teams are making their logos the uh, LGBTQ plus rainbow color scheme. A couple of the Rays players, for, I guess, religious reasons and, you know, whatever, decided that they didn't want to do it, which is like, that's a bad enough look. And then the Rays kind of doubled down on it and they gave them a chance to publicly defend themselves. It's like, why? Like, if you're already going to not do like, just do it quietly in the background. But they had to give them a platform and now it's a whole thing. It's just a bad look. It's just a simple, it's such a simple thing just to show support and love for people. And the mental gymnastics of like, oh no, we still love and support them. We're just not going to show it. Like, so it can't be both then, right? Yeah, Nick Anderson's. It's basically like the Rays bullpen. And I can't believe an actual adult typed all that out, definitely reread it a few times, and was like, yes, not only does this make sense but it is a really good point and defends my position well. It was like in Billy Madison, you're like, what you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points and may God have mercy on your soul. What you have just said can in no way be considered or it comes anything close to what is considered a rational thought. Like, <laughs> it was just idiocy. And listen, they proved, these actions proved why Pride Month is important and mm -hmm. why it matters because it's just about inclusion. It's about people, a marginalized group of people who have been oppressed in, in this country and, and countries all over the world for years and now we are in a time where these kind of things are celebrated and our our humanness is that even a word is celebrated so like humanity just fucking yeah that's a word humanity another invention by john and incredible i am on such a roll right now yeah and i'll just say as the resident raised catholic on the show uh jesus said to love everybody 
you shouldn't be able to editorialize beyond that. It's so fucking strange to me. And especially because they don't agree with the lifestyle choice. That's what it is, quote, a lifestyle choice. I mean, when did you, anyone listening, choose to be straight? You didn't. So why you think that anyone chooses to be gay is just fucking idiotic. That aside, no one's fucking typing paragraphs when many players are caught slapping their wives choking their wives, pulling out guns and shooting a gun to intimidate their girlfriends in their home. The list goes on and on. No one's fucking getting into the notes app and then posting it on Twitter about how they don't agree with those lifestyle choices. And being abusive is a fucking actual choice that players make. And no one says shit about it. They don't have anything to say about sharing locker rooms with them, wearing the same uniform as them, being associated with them, in every sense of the word, that's totally fine. But this is where they draw the line because it's easy to punch down. Yep. Bottom line. And I won't get any more theological than this, but suffice to say, it's it's really ironic how some of these fundamentalist Christians, the whole thing is like you're made in God's image, right? Everyone's perfect. You're made as God intended you. Well, if you don't think that being gay is a choice, then, then God made them that way. Spoiler alert. All right. Uh, on a lighter note, do we see this Reds-D-backs game the other day with the tarp incident? This was the weirdest thing, one of the weirdest things I've seen on a baseball field. Dude, and it was once again another case of fucking ump show. Because apparently the umps are the ones who have to call the game. I thought that the groundskeeper would be able to be like, yo, we got to pull the tarp. But apparently the ump gets the keys the minute the game starts to everything. Correct. That Exactly. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, they, they can do anything they want before the game to the ground screw. But once the game starts, yeah, the ump's got to run it. And they just they pushed it too far. And that feel even with like, you know, how good modern drainage is, that field just got completely shredded. They couldn't get third base covered. It was a monsoon. Those poor grounds people, man, they got soaked. They're struggling with that heavy ass tarp. And the wetter it gets, the heavier it gets and the more friction there is. And just ugh, it was such a mess, such a bad look. For the umpires, I should say. Bad luck for the umpires. I mean, I'm surprised that we didn't hear a story of the head groundskeeper fucking, like, challenging one of the umpires to a fucking fight, the crew chief. Just like, yo, you and I have to fight because you just destroyed my fucking infield for what? A Reds D-backs game? That was a six-run game? Like, give me a fucking break. There was ten people there. Dude, fist fight in the pouring rain? That could be cinematic. I would love to see that. That would be great rain delay theater. Just fight the umpires. On top of the wet tarp? And on that note, let's get right into the voicemails. Our first voicemail is from Seppi and Sam. How brief does this question have to be? Because I don't, you already set too many parameters. This is Joe Seppi, by the way. And I don't know what this noise I'm hearing is. I hope it's your Long Island phone connection and not my super environmentally friendly Chevy Volt. In Long Island? Uh, in Long Island. Okay. Spoiler alert. I have kidnapped and abducted and also holding against his will for a ransom that is yet to be determined. At Sam Nair 24. Are there any underscores? No. So I'm the only one here that owns an underscore, which is fine. I didn't think you even knew what that was. No, I'm not. I'm not that bright. I wonder if this call is going through because that played back. What is that? I don't know. The metronome. I like that. All right. So. Speaking of the let's go metronomes, they just defeated the Dodgers to split the series. But if we're being honest, if you win the last two games of a four-game series, it's basically a sweep. Do you agree, at Sam Nair? Yeah. yeah, okay. So um, right now, me and Sam Nair, we're very good friends. But starting tomorrow, we are enemies because the Mets will be taking on the Padres in the showdown for the ages. What age are you? 27. 
and I am 43, so that's ages right there. I think I just proved my point. Science is dead. Uh, John, if you don't talk about how nice, um, who's the guy that closed for the Mets today? No, number, no, Lugo's the guy that's blue, and he sucks. Number 68, Mendoza, I think? No. Dude, his eyebrows, go back and look at the tape. His eyebrows, spotless. No. What's the word I look for? On fleek? No. Stop. What are the kids saying these days? John, little help here. All right, well, I'm, I got to get Sam back into this bodysuit or whatever you wanted me to paint on him. It's a little weird, but at the same time, I'm aroused, so gives a shit, right? Um. Mets Yankees World Series. Sam agrees. He's nodding vigorously. Nope. Nope. Sam is on drugs, so don't listen to anything he's saying. Maybe I say yes, and then you know I'm being kidnapped. Okay. No, you can't say kidnapped on the air, because then they'll know you're being kidnapped. All right, guys. Anyways, it's been fun. Say say goodbye to Sam. Bye. Much love. All right. Well, love you guys. My favorite part of that voicemail, I think, is you guys dipping in and out of being aware that you're talking to a answering machine, but then asking questions or asking John to come in for you and then giving like a space, like as if he actually was going to, and we were on the other line of the phone call. (laughs) I got a few points to make here. First and foremost, Joe, you're absolutely right. You win the last two games of a series split. That's a sweep. So the Mets swept the Dodgers. It is now canonical. I appreciate that clarification. Uh, Listen, man, I'll make you a deal. If you agree that it's not in Long Island, it's on Long Island, I agree to pronounce your state Oregon and not Oregon. Okay? Just we'll do that little trade. Um, And last thing, listen, man, I wish I could be more helpful, but I got some bad news. I just turned 34 last week. And what happened is when I firmly entered my mid-30s and I officially left my youth behind, they told me that the kids are not saying fleek anymore, but then they refuse to tell me what they are saying. So I am officially now out of the loop. I'm old. I'm washed. I'm useless. I apologize. So yeah, let's say they're on fleek because I'm going to sound old and corny no matter what I say, right? And also, you guys have to call back in because we need to know what the verdict was as far as the kind of bodysuit that you were painting on Sam. And Sam, when you sat on your flight... Did the back of the bodysuit of the body paint come off onto the seat, or is there like a special uh, seat cover that you put down so you maintained the body paint? And did security ask you to remove anything like a belt, and then you had to be like, it's actually body paint? Or did Joe get creative and perhaps apply a coat of lacquer to seal the paint on? (laughs) Suffocating Sam's skin. I'm only rooting for that for the next two days. Once we're past the Padres, I'm good with Sam again. Guys, thank you so much for your call. Our next call is from James. Emily, John, and James. It seems like all New York sports, all we do is win, 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 no matter what. It's great to be winning. Emily with the Yankees, I guess not much to complain, I guess, except for what did the Yankees do about Joey Gallo? Because obviously it's not a big issue as of right now, but in the postseason, it's hard to keep a guy in that's, that when he's in the lineup, he's basically an automatic out. So what did the Yankees do with Gallo? And as far as John with your Mets, Mets, again, just keep winning. So my question to you is, if the Mets pitching can hold up, how, how far can you see this Mets team going, especially with the health of DeGrom and Scherzer? To be honest, James, you don't do anything with Gallo. 
because the only chance that the Yankees would have had to trade him and get something back in return really would be if he was having a better season and if he had a better second half last year, but he isn't and he didn't. So who are you going to get in return? Who do you replace him with in the lineup? Because you're not going to get a better major league player for Gallo at this point, and he only has the rest of this year under team control. So they're going to ride with Gallo because his ceiling is high. Um, He's a plus defender. And he has a lot of pop. And yeah, I know he's been fucking atrocious as a Yankee, but there's nobody better on the bench. There's nobody better in AAA. So you got to ride with Gallo at this point. Now, listen, James, I'm I'm hoping best case scenario that at least by the end of July, we have all three of Scherzer, DeGrom and McGill back. I'm sorry. I know this is going to be a bit of a cop-out answer, but I'm honestly not even thinking that far ahead right now. I think the sky is the limit if the team's all healthy, but now I'm worried about Pete's hand, and Marte came out of the game, too. It looked like he might have hurt his quad or something. So now I'm concerned about some of our position players, so I'm going to take it one thing at a time and not get ahead of myself here and hope that there's still a solid offense for those pitchers to come back to in a month now. James, thank you so much for your call. Our next call is from Bubak. Oh, what up, fam? It's Bubak. It's been a while. Life's been bonkers, man. Had a wedding in Arkansas last weekend. Two weekends ago, I had uh, Nebraska High School State track meet, which I work at. And uh, and then this weekend, uh, this week, we've been moving. A new new home for the Bubak family. It's been crazy. Shit, I can't even tell you last time I got to sit down and watch a Yankees game. It's been bonkers. Uh Again, another voicemail. It's not a lot of context here. Um, my my two oldest girls, who are five and and almost four, are uh, they're playing t-ball this year. And here, a couple weeks ago, I think it was like two two weeks ago, um, I'm standing. I'm helping coach. I'm standing on the third base, the third base coach's box. They don't, you know. It's everybody gets to hit. There's no balls, there's no strikes, there's no outs, and there's not even really, I mean, you know, six and under T-ball, everybody's just standing, they just stand wherever they want, pretty much. We give them a, you know, stand over here, this is third base, stand over here, this is shortstop. But uh, they just kind of cluster together, and when the ball gets hit off the tee, they all, every, all nine of them just run out there, or ten of them, however many. And uh, it's funny. Because I had a uh, coach come up to me the other night, or not a coach, uh, a parent, um, who was holding a stat book, and he says, uh, hey, coach, coach, you got, the, you got the lineup? And I said, what? I said, dude, we, we, there's no, I don't have the lineup. Like, I, I need it for the stats. What stats? We're not taking stats. <laughs> I, it just... Parents annoy me because then uh, last Wednesday, this last Wednesday, we had a game and uh, I had a, a, a parent scream at me because uh, our girl let off the base and you can't lead off in softball. And yes, I'm aware of that, but it's fucking T-ball. There's no outs. So it's just, you know, one of those things. I've wasted enough of your time. I love you guys. Yanks are doing awesome. Mets are doing awesome. Keep it up. Bubak, he's out. First and foremost, Bubak, congrats on your new home. I hope you guys have many happy memories there. And second of all, 
What the fuck is wrong with people? A lineup card for stats, keeping track of stats for T-ball? They're hitting the ball off a fucking tee. They're six. They can't even tie their cleats. You're going to keep track of stats for them? What the fuck is wrong with that guy? These kids are doomed. Well, first off, I believe that at that level, cleat tying success is one of the stats that they keep track of. <laughs> so don't disparage that too quickly. Um, I also just, I love the idea that like in this guy's stat book, you know how like in T-ball, they'll have a kid stand next to the mound as the quote unquote pitcher. Yes. That, that every one of those kids has like a 0.00 ERA with zero strikeouts and zero walks and zero hits allowed. Yeah, this kid's thrown a perfect game three times this year. We're fucked. <laughs> he's six and he's already being scouted. Bubak, we're so glad that you're back. And thank you so much for calling. Our last call is from Quinn. Hey, it's Quinn. So, uh, good riddance to Joe Madden. Got fired after the... 12 game losing streak. Very sad. Very sad. Um, yeah. So, you know what I think the Mets usually have that problem where they will be the best team on the face of the earth in April. And then after April, not so much. Uh, so maybe when they got Epler, they gave some of that bad mojo to the angels perhaps because not looking too great lately for them. Quinn, I think you're absolutely right about that. As we all know, the baseball gods work in mysterious ways, and there is an equilibrium that must be maintained. If the Mets aren't Metsing anymore, somebody else has to Mets. And I believe it's fair to say that the Angels are Metsing. Is that really fair anymore? Because the Mets aren't even Metsing. The Angels are angeling now, and angeling is the new verb. So suffice to say, if the Mets lose to the Padres tonight, they will have angeled this game now. I'm on board to try to get this to stick to Angel the game because LOL Mets, you're right, that's over. Now it's just LOL Angels, and especially with their new City Connect uniforms that everyone is definitely oh. overreacting to. But, I mean, they're not great, but, like... They're boring. They're just, like... Especially, again, because, like, I, we talked about the Houston ones. We're so sick, and it was something about Houston. And this is just, like, oh, cool font, Angels, I guess. And you know, you know what their big mistake was? They did the cream jerseys, which cream jerseys look dope. Like, I love that. Hell the yeah. Mets did them for one year on their home jerseys, and they looked great. But they didn't change the color red. You know, so if you're going to darken the white to a cream and leave the red the same, the red looks too light, kind of pinkish. You got to darken both. And it just, it, it didn't look like the right color scheme, you know? And it was odd to leave out blue that has historically been yeah. in their colors. And I know they don't really use it recently they're just red and white but like the fucking rockies don't use forest green <laughs> in their uniforms either and their entire fucking uniform was that color so like why not just throw a little bit of navy blue in there and you know what's funny is like i i kind of don't like like the dodgers wore their uh their blue lost dodgers ones i don't really like those because they kind of look like pajamas but the rockies somehow didn't to me like and they should have because they got the, the you know the green pants into the green, but maybe it's the design on top that it's not green all the way through. I I really liked those Rocky City Connects. Me too, and the color green that they use, yeah, like that's... the same color as the license plates. It's just it looked dope. It's very cool. But I mean, if we're not overreacting to the City Connect uniforms, then like I know something is really fucked up in the MLB world because that is been the theme the last two years and i can't wait for it to continue for like another four years or however long it's taking them to fucking release all these things you know it's funny howie rose on twitter tweeted because you know he's 
a super super traditionalist. So he was even complaining to the like the Dodgers retired Gil Hodges number and then they wore those blue uniforms, which was a travesty to him. And he made some tweet. It's like, oh, they should throw all the city connects in the garbage. And I put it together because Howie has said that he's looking to retire as soon as he gets to call a World Series. His real motivation, he is desperately hoping that the Metsies win the World Series this year just because I feel like our City Connects are coming next year and he doesn't want to have to describe it on air. <laughs> so he's hoping to get out of there after this season, let's end it on a high note, and just dodge those City Connects by a year. And speaking of ending on a high note, that about wraps it up for Breaking Walls this week. We want to thank all of our listeners. You guys are amazing. And, of course, our callers. Anyone else listening wants to get in on the fun, feeling brassy, Give the Breaking Balls hotline a call, 631-820-7377. You can also find us on Twitter, at BreakBallsPod. And we want to thank our amazing producer and engineer, DJ Bingington. You can find him on Twitter as well, at DJ B-I-N-G-I-N-G-T-O-N. And we will catch you guys next week.